Hello, I'm Steph. Hi, and I am Gilda. This is Saturday Night High, the podcast where we get high, we talk about Saturday Night Live, uh, sometimes we get a little tipsy, and sometimes we draft fantasy players, which is what I'm doing during this episode because I'm a really bad planner. So yeah, Steph, take it away. Yeah, this episode was season two, episode 18, hosted by Julian Bond with musical guests Tom Waits and Brick. Um, this aired April 9th, 1977, and I mean, I guess I'll just get right on into it. Uh, the cold open was Emily Latella and Jane Curtin, and they're in like the dressing room or whatever, and... Emily hasn't planned a single thing for Weekend Update. So. I mean, it was kind of cute because Emily Latella was in love and she's like, he loves me, he loves me not with a flower. Then she starts singing, You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman by Carol King. But um, she's singing, You Make Me Feel Like a National Woman and Jane Curtin is just like, all right, no, that's it, I'm done. And like, yeah, it was fucking funny. I don't know, I really liked it. It was fun to see Emily Latella in a situation other than fucking update. That transition should have happened, like, a year ago. Yeah, no, I agree. It was nice seeing her in something that's not Weekend Update. Um, And at, like, the very end of this, after she corrected her, Jane Curtin said, oh, I guess now you're going to say, never mind. And she goes, no, I'm going to say, and then she says, live from New York. And that was a cute way for it to be tied in, I thought. It really was, and I don't know that she's going to be back that much more. This might have been... Emily Latella's swan song. The monologue was Julian Bond talking about how, you know, it doesn't exactly make sense that he would do this show because he's sort of like a politician and activist. And he talks about some of his activism. And then he basically says that they had him come up to New York from Atlanta to be their chocolate Easter bunny. I mean, his delivery. So, like, when I read that he was an activist and, like, a, like a civil rights activist, I was like, oh, fuck. I don't know if we need to have politicians host, the sh- politicians host the show. They don't exactly have the best comedic timing. But by the end of this man's monologue, he already had more charisma, like, in his pinky finger than Ralph Nader ever did. So, you know, I'll just say that. I, I thought that was funny. Yeah, he played himself... A few times, I think, but it, I liked his presence overall. Yeah, like, okay, if you can play yourself and make fun of yourself, that's one thing. Ralph Nader was not that. Um, no. Yeah, no. So then we went into another H&L Brock, but this time it was Leonard Brock, because his brother couldn't do it, and his brother was the actor. And he's like, why should I do your taxes? Because I take the time. And why should I do your taxes? I have the time. And why should I do your taxes? What's another reason? Well, I'm doing time. And he's just basically in prison for tax fraud. And he's like, if you want to, if you want my tax services, visiting hours are two to four every Thursday. And I fucking cackled. Yeah, the H&L Brock commercials always make me laugh. And yeah, it was funny seeing him in a literal jail cell. Uh, He did the income tax for the prison guard in return for a pack of cigarettes. Yeah. We went into the black perspective with Garrett Morris and Julian Bond, um, and they were talking about the myth that white people are more intelligent than black people. 
And like, this had a good start. It was them looking at the IQ test and saying, basically, you know, this is clearly written for whites. And they read a question and it was the most white nonsense you've ever heard. It talked about like a yacht and a suit and some other nonsense. I don't know. Um, then basically, Julian Bond ends up saying, well, because Get Morris asks where this idea came from. And Julian Bond says, oh, it's because typically light-skinned black people are smarter than dark-skinned black people, which, you know, that's in comparison, Garrett Morris is darker than Julian Bond. Which, okay, I get what they were trying to do here, and I think that there was a lot of really pointed commentary in this episode. It was very fucking well done, but this seemed dangerous because it's like, okay, we get that it's a joke, does everyone? Yeah, this ended with Garrett Morris um, saying that they're running out of time and just asking if Julian could explain more. Yeah. Um, I thought the bumper was funny. It was, it's 1977. Do you know where your children are? <laughs> I laughed at that. I rarely laugh at the bumpers, but that one was good. The bumpers are really hit or miss. Julian Bond played himself in the next sketch. Yeah, and it starts with Lorraine Newman as Amy Carter, and she's being racist as fuck playing with a black dog. Yeah. And she's, like, taking on vernacular that, no, just no. Dan Aykroyd is like, honey, do you want to leave, maybe? Um, do you want to leave? I have things to do. And she's like, you said we'd do this, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, okay, well, or you said you'd take me to King Kong. And she's like, I don't want to be having the same discussion in six months. And it was just, like, very, like, naggy wife. And it's like, what yeah. are, it's like they're portraying Jimmy Carter as, like, not a slave to his daughter, but kind of, like, whipped by his daughter. And I don't think that's yeah. fucking fair, because she was, like, 12 when he, was, when he became president. Like, she was a fucking child in the White House. Like, that is the worst fucking thing that you can have you can see it with the obama daughters this was like downright an insulting impression on lorraine newman's part yeah it was i don't know it's just like i kids are off limits to me yeah and the sort of situation in this sketch was that john belushi no not john belushi julian bond (laughs) was going with garrett morris who was playing like a UN ambassador, um, and they were going to visit Carter in his office, and they came to him saying, you know, I think it's time you're worried about human rights right here in your own country. And Carter tries to sort of relate to them by being like, oh, you know, I've I've also had bad housing. I used to live in this little peanut lean-to, and he has like a model little peanut lean-to. Um... And Julian Bond pointed out that President Carter didn't increase black or female representation in his cabinet. And Carter's like, oh, well, look, I lived in this little shoebox. And um, he basically just gets out of this meeting with Julian Bond and Garrett Morris by going to help some foreign reporter who is maybe hungry. And this ends with Garrett Morris saying, 
See, he really cares. And Julian Bond says he sure do. Okay, and so here's the thing. I feel this is the first fucking time they've come for Jimmy Carter this hard. Yeah, they've been this was very, hard. They they've been very fucking gentle with Jimmy Carter up until now. And they called out the lack of because he campaigned. It was like, I'm gonna have a diverse cabinet and I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that. And then he got into office and he's fo- focusing on all of these international issues. And it's like, okay, but again, what about here? And while I am a, like, raging liberal, I do fucking agree, like, you know what, maybe we fix some of the issues in our country. Maybe we fix homelessness. Maybe we fix the opioid epidemic. Like, let's focus on some shit here before we, you know, go to Afghanistan for 20 fucking years. Anyway, rant over. But yeah, so they came for Jimmy Carter, and it was like, oh yeah, he really, he really cares. And it's like, it's very clear they're not pleased with what they've seen. Yeah, and it makes sense that they would have this sketch in the episode with Julian Bond hosting. No, absolutely. And also, something that just fucking occurred to me is when Amy is like, oh, you said this and I've done this. Like, Lorraine Newman, as Amy Carter said that. And he's like, I've only been president, you know, three months. Give me a break. And it's like, okay, fine, but nah. Yeah. Like, something that has really bothered me about the whole Joe Biden thing is, like, I'm sorry, you couldn't have come up with a better exit strategy for Afghanistan? And the thing is, is that maybe there wasn't one. I don't know. I'm not in the Pentagon. But it's also, like, really? Like, that was the best? You've been there eight months, yo. That was it? (laughs) So, anyway, carry on, please. The episode went, um, into the the, uh, the first musical performance, which was Tom Waits' performing eggs and sausage i had never heard the song before but i was a fan um yeah i mean i think tom waits has an interesting voice um song is a little weird not gonna lie (laughs) not totally my thing but i can appreciate it for what it is and um yeah it was like jazzy gravelly but also huh okay yeah definitely weird um and the next sketch was weird but not in an endearing way, unfortunately. Sadly, no. This was therapy. This was a family counselor, Dr. X, portrayed by Dan Aykroyd. He was wearing like this metal Hannibal Lecter-style mask with a hook hand on his right hand. And then Gilda Radner's like the mother, but it honestly kind of looks like she's been like electroshocked a little because she's just like chewing on her lips and she's not really there. And Bill Murray seems like a controlling, domineering asshole husband-father who keeps trying to attack his son, who's portrayed by John Belushi. Um, Yeah, I just... um, This sketch was fucked. Uh, It was like... I don't know. It was just a bunch of really toxic familial interactions. And then the doctor's like, hey, if he wants to... If your son wants to work with me this summer, just send him through that door. We'll get a lab coat and everything. And he is sent through the door, and he's, like, screaming and being tortured. And it was really fucking problematic. And Bill Murray's like, what's going on? And Dan Aykroyd's like, ah, it's normal. It's fine. Yeah. The fuck was that about? Other than, like, something from the brain of Michael O'Donohue. Like, Michael Donahue got his hands into this episode, he I think. He did! I mean, and again, fine, he's the head writer, but, like, Jesus Christ, sir, I think you are misunderstanding why people are watching this show. It is not to be traumatized. It is to laugh. It is to get no, high is and to yeah. laugh. 
Yeah. Like, even Tom Hanks is like, yo, we all got stoned to watch SNL. Like, if Tom Hanks was doing it, everyone's doing it. Anyway. Just like Corona. What? Jesus. We had Weekend Update. Uh... And this week, Jane Curran went just straight into reading the news. <laughs> so they talked about Anita Bryant last year a fair amount, and she's like this holy roller actress who then, like, started shilling for orange juice, and she's like, well, I am, we had coitus and my husband and I had coitus in public last week, and uh, this is Jane Curran reading this. Uh, and she's like, well, after having sex with him... I realized I was citrosexual, and it was like, wait, what? Uh, there's a bad Dumbo joke, too. Also, I'm going to be on the clock in any second here, so um, there were only, like, two more. There was only one more joke, two more jokes that I thought were funny, so take it away, baby. Well, yeah, so there was a joke that wasn't funny. I didn't really write down the punchline or anything, but there was a headline about the first successful female-to-male transgender surgery it was icky didn't like that um and then there was a cut to an ad for a product called afro lester and the ad was just a bunch of people with afros dancing and julian bond was the spokesman of that there was a a headline about the first soviet disposable space vehicle and it was called the tamponsky that was hilarious uh, yes, that was one of the things I had written down, was Tamponsky. The other thing was the, did you talk about the game canceled? The getting canceled? The game that was canceled. They said, oh, this game was canceled due to cocaine, but 60,000 fans had fun anyway. <laughs> it was like a baseball stadium getting, like, shoveled the fuck out or a football, I, I don't fucking know. I thought it was funny, and I've never done cocaine. Yeah, that was funny. So. <laughs> I have done it. It's funny, isn't it? Allegedly. <laughs> It was like a short we can update this week, over real fast, in my opinion. Um, and we went from that into a sketch titled Great Moments in Motown. And this took place in Detroit in 1958. And it was Get More Singing Lead with backup singers Bill Murray, John Belushi, and Dan Aykroyd. And they were singing a song that was like about their love for the bank. And Julian Bond was the club owner, and he stops them, and he has a problem with their performance. Uh, I don't know. The sketch in general just didn't really appeal to me. I, I just did not think it was funny. And it, it had mm. – it was just so long. It was a lot of just, like, back and forth them performing and him being unhappy. Oh, no. And then – oh, no. <laughs> Garrett Morris co- – I was gonna say Garrett Morris called them, uh, called the singers sweet boys, and they all had to like individually protest this accusation of being gay. Um, so that was a whole thing. Yep, didn't like that. They did a dance though, like as part of the sketch, they were dancing Bill Murray, John Belushi, and Dan Aykroyd, um, and. I kind of noticed them all sort of looking at each other during the dance, presumably to jog the memory as to what comes next in the dance. Right. Which that was funny. was funny. 
Um, Motown, I don't know, like, I don't want to say, oh, we should have had Julian Bond as one of the singers, because maybe that's just not his thing, I don't know, but it felt weird, like, Motown is, like, a majority black, and we had three white guys up there with, like, very distinct, like, hair and facial hair styles. Oh, shit, I'm on the clock. Fuck me, I've lost 40 seconds, goddammit. Yeah, no, well, it did feel weird, I agree, having... Um, the three white people as the background singers here, but yeah, I guess maybe he just wasn't saying. So I sort of, uh, what sort of forgave this since he was the club owner, and that was a pretty prominent role in the whole sketch. Um, because the whole time he was trying to get them to do these like hand gestures with their performing. And it was, like, horrible. He said, like, he was going through their schedule, and they did, like, six shows on Saturday, and then on Sunday they cleaned, and they did that for $100 a week, and that they all split. Uh, but if, with the hand gestures, he'd give them 150 a week. Yeah, I just, this whole thing felt icky. I, I hated it. I don't know. Yeah, they were calling me it, too. They, was, they were calling them, they were calling, and this is not me, this is them, the... Performers were referred to as monkeys at some point, and I was just like, oh, no. So you have white men in blackface, and everyone's being referred to as monkeys. Wonderful. None of this is bad. Wait, Adam, fuck off. Sorry. Um, we had Gilda Radner pretending to be a child eating soup, and there's, like, this voiceover, and they're like, what are you doing? She's like, leave me alone. I'm eating. What are you eating? Soup. And so, like, he's telling her to, the voice is telling her to do all of these different things. And, um, the voice is telling her to do all of these different things. And she's like, why? And he's like, the soup man says so. And I'm like, okay, that's terrifying. Um, yeah. He tells her to shove corn up her nose. And she's like, it hurts. He's like, okay, pour the soup on your face, it'll make it stop. It was just like, what in the fuck is happening here? I did not understand the point of this at fucking all. No, like, Gilda is good at physical comedy, but this sketch setup mm. was not all that great. Not her best. No, definitely not. Um, the next sketch was Bad Cinema, hosted by Dan Aykroyd playing whatever old guy he mm -hmm. plays for this and the panel that he had was Truman Capote played by John Belushi and Lorraine Newman playing this bad Italian filmmaker and Julian Bond as a critic and professor in bad lighting um, and Dan Aykroyd says that tonight's film quote really bites it <laughs> and he plays it he wasn't and wrong it was called yeah, no, it was called Ula La Lay's Legs, um, and it was just these people dancing to French singing, and they were in various locations, and it just wasn't good. Um, so they cut back to the panel, and um, Truman Capote, John Belushi, calls the woman who was dancing the pits, which was so fucking funny to me. I don't know why. Um, Lorraine was like, oh, this filmmaker always has the twisting woman motif in his films. Um, which, yeah, she was just kind of twisting around the whole time she was on screen. 
Um, and then Julian Bond's character said that he was more into 3D insect fear films, so this wasn't something he could comment on. And that was really the whole sketch. Yep. Um, that was it. It was fucking bizarre. We then went into a musical performance by Brick. They performed Daz. Daz? I don't know how that's pronounced, but I thought the camera work was cool. I always love it when they put a camera inside a drum. I'm a sucker for that. Also, they had an electric flute. Weird little flute! It was fucking awesome. He busted that shit out. Yeah! And he was like, he was doing this really cool whisper thing with it. Like, I loved it. I've never, or I've probably heard that, but not really known that it was the flute doing that. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Um, I just assume everything is a synth. We then went into another sketch with the Farbers, and the Farbers are becoming a recurring couple. Um, They're becoming a recurring couple, and they're kind of being used as, like, the representative of normal middle, like, quote-unquote normal middle America. Um, It's Gilda Radner and John Belushi. Stop eating my fucking Teva. God damn it, you chaos Guess which one? Bowie? No, Prince. Prince. Prince is the chaos. Yeah. So, yeah, Mr. Far- Mr. and Mrs. Farber, Mrs. Farber, Gilda Radner, sitting on the couch talking to Julian Bond. And he's like, hey, do you want to host a fundraiser here? And she's like, oh, well, we are a very progressive couple. Not sexually. Um, and that was a recurring bit. But she's also like, well, I have to ask my husband when he gets home. And it's like, "Uh uh-huh, very progressive. Um, And that was the joke, I get it. But um, her husband, Larry, gets home, and it's John Belushi, and he's talking to Julian Bond, and he's like, well, you know, the unemployment of, you know, black people in the South is this percentage. And John Belushi's like, oh, God, they're not going to come up here, are they? And it's like, I know that was a commentary on racist New Englanders and shit, but, like, it's, like, it's supposed to point out that, oh, fuck, not here, right? Like, it's trying to point out that it's problematic. That being said, that's still how it is. Um, yeah. Julian Bond asks, he says that the graduation rate or the something Ray is this percent he's like why don't they go to school um Gilda Radner in this was great because she's like yelling at her husband and just being like Larry and like pointing out his racism which I thought her use of the word Larry or the name Larry in the different shouting instances was fucking incredible it like punctuated every single fucking racist thing in this sketch and I loved it yeah, it sort of kept the sketch alive because I kind of felt like it was beginning to drag a little bit. It was kind of the same thing back and forth. Um, although at one point, the camera zoomed out a bit too much and we saw the boom mic on the top of the frame. So that was that's always fun to see. Love to see it in live TV. Um, the badminton team comes over and it was no, Dan Aykroyd. No, 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 Backgammon. No. Backgammon. Whoops. And it was... <laughs> so they come over and it's Dan Aykroyd, Lorraine Newman, 
Bill Murray and Jane Curtin, and uh, John Belushi proposes that they bring a new black couple in the neighborhood into their group, and everybody's opposed, and John Belushi's like, ah, democracy in action. Um, And when Julian Bond is finally given time to talk about his fundraiser, he gets ignored, and that's just how the sketch ends, basically. Yeah, pretty much. And the whole thing was um, you cut out for a bit there because I totally forgot to switch my phone's Wi-Fi at our four-minute break. Yeah, I this whole sketch, I kind of fucking hated it because, like, I get what it was pointing out, but it was still just, fuck, God damn it! Like, I hated it because it's 46 years later and nothing has fucking changed. That's why I hate it. You know? Yeah, no, it's depressing as fuck. Oh, um, motherfucker, I've been on the clock for 40 seconds. Hang on one second. Please pause, because I have thoughts about the next one. Oh, yeah, um, okay. Oh, this is wide receiver. Wide receiver. Boom. Done. I'll be on again in, like, six picks, which is, like, ten minutes. The next bit says, oh, says Mr. Mike's least love be- uh, bedtime tales is not going to be seen. T- I was so excited and happy. I, me too! I was like, fuck yes, thank God. And then I'm like, wait, why are they telling us that? Because it hasn't been seen in a while. So it's like, all right, are they telling us that because... And I was like, oh, fuck. So it goes into Mr. Mike meets Uncle Remus. And Uncle Remus is portrayed by Garrett Morris. And Michael O'Donoghue comes in and tells him a story about Br'er Rabbit, which is a fucking racist-ass folktale. And... I hate it. Um, and Garrett Morris is like, oh, I know this story. And then Michael O'Donoghue proceeds to shoot him down and um, say, no, the tar baby, tar baby is used. And forgive me, anything that is mentioned here is their words, not mine. I'm not being a fucking racist, I swear to God. Um, it says, no, tar baby was used to fix a pothole. And then Br'er Rabbit said, oh, do this or don't do that to me. And they were like, well, they didn't, they didn't listen to his wishes and they skinned him alive. And Michael O'Donoghue started going into great fucking detail about how they skinned this rabbit alive. And I'm like, okay, yeah. no, fuck no, fuck no. I want no part of this. This man is fucked in the head. Like, what are we fucking doing here? Like, if I had seen this live in real time, and honestly, if I had seen a few of the previous Michael O'Donoghue's live in real time, I may have uh, been like, you know what? Maybe not. But this would have made me, like, stop fucking watching. This was disgusting. Yeah, he said that um, they ate Br'er Rabbit, and... When Uncle Remus asks if there's a moral to the story, he's like, oh, there's no moral, just random acts of meaningless violence. It just was such a, like, like, he he's such a, like, white guy that talks and talks and talks and, like, nobody ever fucking asks. Like, he just, is, like, goes on against your will, is telling this fucking horrible story. He put a dead bluebird on uh, Garrett Morris's shoulder and this sketch ended with them playing Zippity-Doo-Dah, which is a great song, but... It's a great song, but it's still racist as fuck, and he's snuggling a dead bird, and I liked fucking nothing yeah. here. I can, I feel it's safe to say I do not like Michael O'Donoghue. It's only been, oh, I don't know, what, 
22, 30-something classic episodes. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you on that one. Not a fucking fan. Like... He also did something at the end of the episode that I didn't like, but we'll get there in a second. Um, First, we had the Gary Weiss film for this week, which was him talking to Patti Smith, which I was pretty excited about. Okay. Yeah. So she was talking about how she performed on SNL like a year prior, and she had a neck brace on during this, um, this little interview, and she was holding a guitar, and the whole little film was about how they changed the words, or they were, they were made to change the words to their song by NBC. So they, perfor- they were performing a cover of My Generation, and the NBC made them change it. And she's like, think about that. They made, it, they made us change the words to you know, the song My Generation. They, changed it, they made us change the words to My Generation. Like, it was a fucking poignant message, but towards the end, it started to trail off. Um, it was like, okay, she is definitely out of it. Yeah, and so, but honestly, her eyes, her eyes are gorgeous. These, like, blue-gray, they're big. Oh, my God. I love me some blue eyes. I love me some Patty Smith. Well, I mean, I love me some Patty Smith, too. That was just a shout-out to someone I'm trying to destroy in the uh-huh. fantasy league. Um... Love you, Johnny. Um, yeah, so we went into John Belushi's George <laughs> Wallace, um, and George Wallace is talking about how much the South has improved in the past however many years, 10 years, 15 years, what the fuck ever. And he's like, see, this is the old sign, and the sign reads, for coloreds only. And he's like, since we've replaced it with this. And it is a silhouette of a stereotypically black man with the red circle and the slash line through it. And he's like, see, it's so much more clean and modern to the point. And it's like, okay, like we're going here and I'm not upset about it. Because George Wallace, I believe, was still trying to make a run at like political office at this point. And it's just like, uh uh-uh, no thank you. He said that the South, something being an important part of America's future... Uh, and then he said that if he was, it's like something about it being 1977 and, um, 1977? Yeah. Uh, and how, quote, Negroes would be in the back of jet planes and monorails. Like, wow, we're allowing them on these modes of transportation now. We only have to make them sit in the back. And it's like, okay, God damn it, nail that point home. Um... Yeah, that was the last sketch of the night, and at the end, the good nights, everybody was wearing Julian Bond's, like, campaign shirt, I guess. It had, like, his name, 76, on it, I think. Um, yeah. Literally everybody had it on, even John Belushi, who had just been on screen as George Wallace, um, except for fucking Mr. Mike. I mean, yeah, Fuck Michael O'Donohue hardcore. Um, and not in the good yeah. way, in the bad way. Um, I did like the fact that they all had the campaign shirts on. I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. Like, y'all just did a massively pointed show. Like, that show was so pointed about race in America at that point that, like, it was like, you know what? Fuck yes, promote this It was. Man. It was great, and I was really upset to see that Michael O'Donohue somehow thinks he's 
not a part of that? I, I, I don't get it. And it's like, yeah, I was disappointed to see that. I see how he might want to, quote unquote, like, quote unquote, distinguish himself from the cast because he's the head writer because it was only the cast wearing the T-shirts. But still, fuck you. Put the T-shirt on for 30 Yeah, right? Jeez. Whatever. Fuck that guy. What didn't... (laughs) Fuck that guy. Squish that cat. Um, What did not work for you? Um, Unfortunately, it was quite a few things. Very difficult to choose one, but since it's the most recent in my head, I'll say what was almost not Mr. Mike's least love bedtime tales, but then ended up, in fact, being Mr. Mike's least love bedtime tales. Yep. Mm -hmm. That was it for me, too, because I don't want to hear descriptions of graphic gruesome violence during a late night comedy Mm -mm. show what was your runner up (sighs) okay i'm looking at my my notes i think my runner up was probably the black perspective okay all right that's so how about you i um my runner-up... Fuck, hang on. I, I'm hesitant to start this because this is going fast now. Hang on. Thank you for being patient with this. This literally only happens once a year, and I did not think we'd be recording today. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. My runner-up... This is going to be difficult. I didn't like a lot tonight. Yeah. I'm trying to pick my favorite so I can fucking work backwards. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to say that my runner-up was the cold open with Emily Latella because I enjoyed watching her stretch her little comedy legs, but it was still Emily Latella. So. Yeah. My best for the night was H&L Brock, even though it's something we've seen before. It was funny. Yeah. Okay. Fun. Okay. My best for the night. Um, I'm going to have to go with Brick. Yeah, I fucking love that performance. And the electric flute just fucking made it for me. Yeah, that was awesome. But uh, yeah, that was the fucking show. That is where we are ending and taking a September hiatus. Uh, You can find us on every major podcast platform. Don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, and review. And we're on social media, uh, at SetNightHighPod. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, and YouTube. Night is spelled N-I-T-E on Twitter. And we have a website, SetNightHighPod.com. And you can reach us. uh, Our Gmail is SetNightHighPod at Gmail. So, yeah. We will see you in September, in per- in September, in October, in person. Yes, for the season 47 premiere. Hell yeah. Like, fuck yeah. Anyway, have a great fucking month. Happy Labor Day. We will see y'all in a bit. Happy, Happy highs. highs.